One of my favorite ways to unwind is by playing a game on my phone while I relax on the couch. And June's Journey is my new favorite as it combines several of my favorite things, finding hidden items, decor and design, and solving a murder. In June's Journey, you dive into June's captivating quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret while discovering the truth behind the unexplained death of her sister. As you uncover clues, you also get to build your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. You get to collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. You get to chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. So can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. podcast. I am Courtney Eck. And I'm Sadie Eck. That's the first time I think I've taken that uh, down a down an octave instead of up. It felt cool. felt uh, mysterious. It was cool and mysterious. Thanks. Well, and that's what everyone says about us. Like, They Will mm-hmm. Kill is so cool and so mysterious. Not hyperbolic, not cringy, mm-hmm. not opinionated. Cool and mysterious. So welcome to They Will Kill, which is a cool and mysterious podcast where we talk about true crime. And tonight it is Sadie's night. And what kind of cool and mysterious presentation of true crime do you have for the people, Sadie? Well, unfortunately, I just have a really sad story for you. (sighs) Like we do. Yeah, it's never going to change. Yes. This is the murder of Eurydice Dixon. That is an amazing name. Amazing. And spoiler alert, she was amazing. Uh, Tell me everything. So in the very early morning hours of June 13th, 2018, around 2.50 a.m., a man walking home from work decided to cut through Prince's Park in Melbourne, Australia. As he walked past the football pitch, which is also known as a soccer field for those in the United States, Mm -hmm. he noticed a woman lying alone in the grass. As he approached her to see if she needed help, he could tell the woman wasn't breathing and was cold to the touch. Mm -mm. The man frantically dialed triple zero and started CPR. Sadly, the woman was already gone, and despite his best efforts, she was pronounced dead at the scene. Authorities were able to identify the woman as 22-year-old Eurydice Dixon, and an autopsy showed that she had been beaten, raped, and then strangled to death. Good God. No. She's so young. So young. Eurydice was an up-and-coming stand-up comedian who lived with her dad and younger brother. She was especially close to her family because her mom died when she was just seven years old, leaving him to raise his three kids by himself. Oh, she man. also She had a, a older sister named Polly. Oh, my. No. As she grew, Eurydice found a love for both creative and performing arts, She had a natural ability to make people laugh and was smart enough to come up with interesting and unique jokes. Mm. It didn't take long for her to decide that she wanted to be a comedian and was at home on the stage. Can you see her stand up online anywhere? Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. There was 
maybe I'll see if we can pull, there's some YouTube video of her last set that she performed right before she was murdered. Mm. And it's really, it's pretty chilling. Like she talks about, she was a big feminist and talks about women's safety and like, uh-uh. mm-hmm. yeah, it's pretty, pretty chilling. Ugh. You know, and then tries to be funny and like at first people are like, oh, and then they start to laugh and, Ugh. you know, it's just, yeah. yeah. But yes, you can see. The worst kind of up. foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. So during the summer before she was murdered, Eurydice was becoming well-known in the city and was just starting to make a name for herself. She was a student at Prince's Hill Secondary College in Carleton North and performed regularly with the Burwood Student Theater Company based in Deakin University. She was, quote, known for her kind, gentle, quiet manner, but also her ability to command the attention of an entire room when she performed her comedy shows. A friend remembered her by saying, quote, everybody who knew her at the bar would comment on what a lovely and polite person she was. She was quite shy and very reserved, which was very strange because once she got up on stage, she'd have the attention of the whole room and they'd be all be laughing. Isn't that amazing? I think that's the case uh, a lot more than it's not. That Mm -hmm. the funniest people are also the most quiet. Yes, right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think everybody was just always so impressed by that, but maybe it was how she incorporated that shyness and quietness into her show, which made her so special. Mm -hmm. Another friend and fellow stand-up comedian said, Eurydice, quote, was super intelligent. As a comedian, the worst feeling is watching another and thinking, gosh, I wish I'd thought of that. Mm -hmm. Eurydice did that to me all the time. Uh And her name's Eurydice. Yeah. I just cannot get over it. No. I, you know, I've spent all week with this story and I just, I will it's never get over that a beautiful A wonderful name. name. Yeah. Yes. It is a wonderful name. As police worked to find Eurydice's killer, they started by putting a timeline together of the final hours of the young woman's life. Tragically, Eurydice's body was found just a few hundred meters away from her home. Mm. Authorities learned that she had been out earlier in the night performing her stand-up at the Highlander Bar. She left around 10.30 p.m. telling her friends that she was going to go for a walk before heading home. She had been really happy with how her set went that night and wanted to take some time to enjoy the feeling. She walked her boyfriend to the train station, waited with him until he got on the train, kissed him goodbye, and then took off alone. Oh, man. Melbourne is known to be a safe city with not very much violent crime, especially, you know, stranger danger crime. And women feel pretty safe there alone, even at night. Yeah. After leaving the station, Eurydice is seen on CCTV footage walking down the street in the direction of her house. She would take her time walking the five kilometers, which is a little more than three miles. Eurydice is last seen by CCTV at 11.54 p.m. walking by the University of Melbourne. When she got to the park... Evidence showed that she sat on a bench to remove her boots and socks so she could walk through the grass with bare feet. Oh, my. She was attacked shortly after this and would be found, her body cold to the touch, just three hours later. As detectives watched the CCTV footage, they couldn't help but notice a man who seemed to be heading in the same direction as Eurydice. Mm. For the entire three-mile walk, the man can be seen near the 22-year-old. At first, he is following behind her, but soon the footage showed him speeding up to pass her until the next camera caught him sitting on a stack of milk crates as she passed him. <laughs> God, I hate it. Do you have, mm-hmm. I can look it up, but do you remember when Jill Marr was? Yeah, 2012. We're going to talk okay. about her in just a sec. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yes. One camera showed the man ducking behind a large pillar as Eurydice walked by. For almost an hour, this game of cat and mouse is caught on camera. Uh, uh. Yep. Oh, no. Full stalker. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. Yes. <laughs> Tragically, Eurydice <sighs> didn't seem to notice she was being stalked and continued her leisurely walk home. You got to wonder, too, how many times he's done that before and mm-hmm. the right person walked up and spooked him off or, mm-hmm. oh, God. <laughs> no. The footage ends as she leaves the well-lit streets of Melbourne and enters the much darker and almost completely empty Prince's Park. Mm. Police were able to get multiple images of the man who was following Eurydice that night and immediately released his pictures to news stations across Melbourne. As the details started to emerge, the public was outraged that another young woman was murdered on her walk home after a night out. Less than six years before, in 2012, Jill Marr, who we covered in episode 133, was raped and murdered by Adrian Bailey, who followed her as she walked home. That's another just chilling, chilling Ugh. case. Yeah, the footage of that case is, I'm sure that this is equally disturbing, but that, yeah, to see yeah. her last moments and her interacting with her killer right before he attacked her is, yeah, it's chilling. Yeah. It's fucked up. I don't think they released Eurydice's CCTV footage. I couldn't find it. I sure looked to try. Mm-hmm. And I I think it was kept private. Mm-hmm. So I don't yeah, blame but them. yes, I'm sure that if we could watch it, we would it would oh no. No. Creeping behind crates and stalking mm-hmm. her for an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So after Jill's murder, the people of Melbourne were furious and even marched in the streets demanding change so women could be safe to walk the streets alone at night without fear of being attacked. The fact that Eurydice died in a very similar way caused the citizens of Melbourne to be outraged once again. When Victoria Police Superintendent David Clayton informed the public that there would be 24-hour police patrols at Prince's Park, he finished his statement telling people in the area to, quote, take responsibility for your own safety. Whoa. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. This did not sit well for those listening. And yeah. they immediately called the superintendent out for victim blaming, reminding him that it wasn't Eurydice's fault that she was raped and murdered. Yeah. It was her killer's fault alone. It's one thing to say to be on alert, to be right. aware of your surroundings. Right. But, yeah, to yeah. keep your own ass safe is... A, it's a bad look from a uh-huh. from the people we pay to protect us. Yes, yes. And especially when you're dealing with people like those that live in Melbourne who are not going to put up with that no. shit. No. I think you could probably get away with that here in my oh, little town. Oh, yeah, you get away with it. Unfortunately, yeah, like, yeah. not there. Mm-mm. I mean, did he not know? Did he? Was he not born six years ago? <laughs> like, you know, they, they marched. They marched in the streets for her, for yeah. Jill. So the next day, more than 10,000 people attended a candlelight vigil to honor Eurydice and to demand change once again. Nice. Get them. Get out there. Fuck it up. Yes. I get a sense that Melbourne is kind of like Portland used to be. Right? Yeah. I get the same idea, too. Yeah. Yeah. It would take police less than 24 hours to catch Eurydice's killer. Get it. After releasing their suspect's picture, which were very clear... I mean, the good thing about him stalking her for so long is that there was just, like, images everywhere of him, like, clear as day. Yeah, what the fuck was he thinking? He wasn't. So after releasing their suspect's picture, it would quickly spread across social media. Twitter went nuts, and by 6.30 p.m., the suspect had been identified as 19-year-old James Todd. Wow. 19. 19. 
After getting calls from his friends that his face was all over the news, he called dispatch and turned himself in. They asked him to come down to the station for questioning, so Todd called his girlfriend of four years and asked her for a ride. <laughs> she and her mom picked him up and brought him to the station. Uh-uh. Yeah, one of the articles I read said that it was his girlfriend's mom who suggested to James Todd that he call his mom and let her know what was happening. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, yeah, okay. So, oh, my God. Oh, yeah, my God. he called his mom, and she met him there at the station. Can you imagine asking your mom to pick up your boyfriend for a rape and murder charge? Hey, mom, what you doing this afternoon? Right. Want to help me transport my boyfriend to prison forever? Right. My, my, like, they were together for four years. He was 19. Oh, my my God. High school sweetheart. (gasps) Yeah. Oh, my God. Good point. No, thank you. Mm -mm. Your second son, essentially, at this point. Oh, no. Yeah. No. So during questioning, James Todd denied having any involvement in Eurydice's murder. He admitted to being there in the area that night, but refused to admit anything that would tie him to her. Police noticed that Todd had scratches on his face and looked like he'd been in a fight, but he refused. Fence. (laughs) Right, he fell right into that. Fell right into a fence. Fence, like. Somebody needs to outlaw these fences that all these rapists keep falling into put some put some protective like rubber on the tips Mm -hmm. or something right it's a real menace for rapists right and murderers yeah so he refused to tell them how he'd fallen into the fence with his face scratches yep and after a few hours of interrogation officers started to explain to todd how forensic evidence and dna worked they made sure to mention that DNA samples were retrieved from Eurydice's body, including under her fingernails. She had fought for her life, hitting and scratching her assailant, and managed to collect plenty of DNA for testing. That a girl. Scratch, claw, scratch, yes. bite, bite, claw, spit, rip, poke. put stuff everywhere. Poop, pee, everything. Vomit. Yes. Yes. Once Todd heard this, he said, quote, don't worry about the DNA. I did it. I'll tell you everything. Wow. God. I'm a teenager. I don't understand things. I do whatever I want because I don't have any sense of consequences. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Jesus. He then gave them the entire story of what happened. (sighs) So Todd told authorities on June 12th, 2018, he spent the day like any other attending classes at his hospitality training at Hester Hornbrook Academy in Peron. Todd had aspirations to work in the restaurant business and was taking classes during the week to reach those goals. After finishing his classes for the day, around 3 p.m., he decided to join a few friends from college and take the train to Melbourne. Todd said the four friends had plans to drink in one of the many parks in Melbourne, and when they got off the train, they tried to buy alcohol at the first liquor store they found. Despite Todd being above the legal drinking age, the clerk at the first store refused to sell them booze. And... So James Todd looks like a ch- child. He, he, well, he um, is technically yes. kind of still a child. Yeah. yeah, like totally still has his baby face. He's a bigger guy, big round, chubby cheeks, uh-huh. looks like a child. Just to give you, has this weird like fuzzy blonde hair. No, I don't like that. Um, yeah. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. So they tried again at a different store where they managed to buy a bottle of vodka and some rolling papers. They then took the vodka to a nearby park where they hung out and drank until it was all gone. After this, one friend decided to leave, and the remaining men went to another store to buy some hard cider and went back to the park. Once there, they bought some weed, smoked a few joints, and drank their ciders. 
When they ran out of alcohol, Todd and his friends headed back to the train station around 8.30 p.m. Todd bought another drink at the station, and they all got on the train together. One friend got off at the Flinders Street station, but Todd and his other friend continued in the direction of Todd's house, where he lived in a housing commission, which is Australia's public housing, mm-hmm. with his mom, dad, and two brothers. But just after 9 p.m., before he reached home, Todd said he decided to get off at a different stop, leaving his remaining friend on the train by himself. Todd wanted to be alone to do as he pleased. He then jumped on a train heading back into the downtown area, getting off at the Flinders Street station. By 10.45 p.m., CCTV footage showed Todd walking in the area where Eurydice had just finished her comedy set. By this time, she had left the bar with her boyfriend to see him off at the train station. Todd walked by the couple, who had stopped off at a Woolsworth so Eurydice could buy a protein bar. Todd went to McDonald's for some food, and after eating, he walked back to the area where Eurydice had been. Todd told police that he first noticed Eurydice as she waited with her boyfriend for the train. Mm. He assumed she would get on the train with him, but when they kissed goodbye and she walked away from the station toward Todd... He decided to follow her. Mm-mm. God. CCTV footage was able to corroborate much of Todd's story and showed Eurydice walking past Todd at 11.08 p.m. Todd waits a minute before casually following her. So trigger warning, you guys, for sexual assault. Once Eurydice entered the park, she sent her boyfriend a text at 12.02 a.m. letting him know she was almost home. Todd said after she sent the text, he decided to take the opportunity to attack, grabbing her by the hair and the back of her dress. He said he kept a hold of Eurydice by her neck the entire time he attacked her in order to control her. Mm. He used the other hand to rip her clothes open and then tried to rape her, but was unable to get an erection, so he started choking her instead. He told police it took five to ten minutes before he was sure she was dead. He also said that he knew enough about strangling someone that he knew to use his thumbs to collapse her windpipe to make sure she wouldn't recover. Mm -mm. God, why? (laughs) (sighs) Once Eurydice was dead, Todd said he grabbed her phone and left the park. He then walked for about 10 minutes before stopping to take a nap on a bench at one of the train stations. Oh my God. He slept for nearly two hours. Oh, my God. And woke up just before 4 a.m. Before heading home, Todd walked into the bushes to poop and used his T-shirt as toilet paper. Something's seriously fucking wrong with this guy. Yep. I mean, duh, but, you know, like extra, extra seriously wrong. Yeah. He then went back to the station to wait for the train home. While waiting, he scrolled through Eurydice's phone and used her camera as a mirror to look at the injuries that she had left on his face in her struggle to survive. Once he got on the train, Todd said he couldn't help himself, and as they approached Prince's Park, he decided to get off and go back to the scene of the crime. By this time, Eurydice's body had been found, and Todd was told to leave the area before he could get too close. (sighs) Before going home, Todd stopped at a diner for pie and coffee finally making it back by 6.40 a.m. Between Todd's very detailed confession and the loads of CCTV footage, police had the case completely solved within 24 hours. Wow. (laughs) I mean, like, done, 
done. Unbelievable. And, um, and it sounds like he's just a full killer. This kid is just a like serial yeah. killer in the making. Yep. Police continued to put as many pieces of the puzzle together and started to look into Todd's past and possible motivation for his crimes. Yeah. When authorities searched Todd's computer, they found that he had logged on and started to search the internet for information almost as soon as he got home. Mm. First, the search history showed he looked up, quote, Prince's Park murder. And after reading a few articles, he then switched it up and began to search for, quote, strangulation and rape porn. Strangled and brutally raped. Brutal rape, choking till death, strangled, forced videos. When he doesn't find what he's looking for, he goes to another porn site where he searches for, quote, brunette videos and, quote, curvy emo girl. Mm. Both terms that would match Eurydice's description. Mm. All of the searching happened before 7 a.m. that day. Wow, man. <sighs> I just thank my lucky stars that he was too young and dumb to keep going. Yes. I can't. Yeah, he's just a killer. Yep. Yes, he is. So those who knew James Todd said he was your average guy, had friends, and even had a long-term girlfriend. When police searched his house, they found it to be in terrible condition. The front yard was covered in discarded furniture and trash. The garbage bin was completely overflowing. Quote, police would describe the inside of the house as having catastrophic floor-to-ceiling filth. Mm. The kitchen had sunk into the rotting floor <gasps> with the only cook plate residing in the grimy bathroom next to a blocked toilet like what? so full hoarder style wow disgusting. in other rooms food lay where it fell along rotting garbage and scuttling rodents no yep it was clear todd was neglected and left alone with his dark terrible thoughts yeah so todd would later explain to a court-appointed psychologist that he was the middle child and had been diagnosed with mild autism spectrum disorder and adhd as a kid Hmm. He struggled in school and was known to be angry and violent. This caused him to be moved from one school to the next with the hopes of finding a teacher that could handle his temper. He was referred to multiple child psychologists, but when nothing helped, he was eventually expelled from school for his bad behaviors. Despite this, Todd was able to get the Australian equivalent uh, to a GED and was then able to start his hospitality training program. I couldn't find any details on his like home life, but mm -hmm. I'm assuming that it was terrible. Not good. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. I think your environment mirrors your mental health. And if mm -hmm. that's what his environment was, I would imagine that his mental health was, I mean, clearly his mental health was a total shambles, but that mm -hmm. comes from somewhere. Right. And it right. doesn't come from ADHD and autism spectrum no. disorder at all. No, it does. I mean, like those things don't help him as far yeah. as like being in chaos anyway. But yeah, they do not cause it. No. You know what he did. Yeah. And um, I don't I didn't go into too much of it because it, I just don't I, I don't want to speculate um, or no, I don't want to spread false ideas. Mm -hmm. But like his defense really tried to blame his autism <laughs> for what he did. And the Whoa. judge was like, absolutely fucking no, like, no way. Yeah. Not there's for a second. One thing that autism is not, it's malicious. Yeah. Sadistic. No, similar. not at all. It's the opposite as it turns out. Right. I could see it making things more difficult and making mm -hmm. you more impulsive in some cases mm -hmm. if you have problems filtering certain things, but right. it definitely does not cause full, malicious, no. violent, 
sadistic behavior. No. So the women who knew Todd would later say, despite a dysfunctional upbringing and home life, he seemed to genuinely like women and treated them with kindness. Hmm. But Todd himself would admit to having very dark sexual fantasies for as long as he could remember. He could only get off by watching porn that involved women being choked. Hmm. When he became sexually active himself, his partners would consent to being choked during sex, but it wasn't enough for Todd who didn't just want to dominate women consensually. Mm-hmm. His sexual partner said that they, he never hurt them, though. Like, anything he did was consensual, and right. he never took it too far with them. When the more tame choking porn wasn't enough, he moved to the dark world of snuff porn. Yeah. Mm. Watching videos of women being raped and then strangled to death. He would say it was these videos that would teach him how long it would take to strangle someone to death and the proper way to hold your hands to do serious damage to someone's throat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's all take a deep breath. Seriously. So str- so personal and brutal and that you really, really have to commit to wanting to do that to do that. Yep. It is the worst way to kill someone, in my opinion, because you have a long time to change your mind and you have to look them in the eye. Yes. Yep. And the fact that there are videos on the internet where teenage boys can go and find them and watch them and watch them enough to learn about how to do this themselves and then do it. Like, I am not one to blame porn for the demise of society. It's not great, but I would generally say that whatever it's porn but oh my god like as a mom of two boys who are not yet teenagers this is terrifying yeah was he on the regular internet or was he on the dark internet i don't know i'm assuming i don't i don't think you can find snuff i would assume it was just on the regular internet internet. yeah yeah, like even in the deepest darkest depths of the regular internet i think it would probably be pretty hard to find or and post right and then i mean so i'm i assume he had to really search for it but still like yeah you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when asked about killing Eurydice, Todd told the doctor he hadn't set out that night with a plan to find a victim to rape and murder. But when he saw Eurydice and she looked like the women he fantasized about, he decided to follow her. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until she left the street and entered the park that he decided to attack her. And even then, quote, he wasn't sure if he would go the whole way during the attack. He also said he was glad he was caught because killing someone, quote, didn't turn out exactly as he had planned. Oh, man. God. Yep. <sighs> so the psychologist who examined Todd after his arrest diagnosed him as having a sexual sadism disorder, which is said to be very rare. In an interview with journalists, the doctor would later explain it by saying, quote, it is hard to get your head around. There is a primal motive here. It is very confronting. In pop culture and a lot of TV, rapists are seen as being angry with their mother, and therefore they develop this hatred towards women and want to control them. That is such a simplistic explanation, and we certainly didn't see that with Todd. Hmm. This is a guy who had two long-standing relationships, including the most recent relationship with a girl who, on the evidence, reported no violence in the relationship. He was a caring person. He wasn't a man who would be seen as having patriarchal or misogynistic attitudes. No one truly understands why this disorder develops, but experts know it's very rare for a sexual sadist as young as Todd to enact his entire homicidal fantasy from start to finish during his very first attack. Yeah. 
Todd didn't kill Eurydice because he hated her. He killed her because it's what his sexual interests were telling him to do. Huh. Hmm. According to the doctor. Yeah, I have questions. <laughs> <laughs> Let me finish this last paragraph from yes. the doctor and then you can ask your questions yeah. that I will not have answers for. Quote, the public wants a simple answer, but there is no quick fix. For any parent, this is their worst nightmare. It is very disturbing for people to realize that although these people are very rare, they are out there. We won't see many of these cases, but we will continue to see them. Mm-hmm. I think I, it's just interesting because like BTK was a great dude, uh, you know, mm-hmm. outwardly and all serial Kim Ted Bundy was the best dude outwardly. I don't know. It just, we, it seems like a weird, broad statement to make when there's so many cases of that being not true. Do you know what I mean? Like saying, oh, he outwardly, he was great. He didn't hate women. He was super nice to them. And most sexual sadists and serial killers in history were also outwardly nice to women and didn't show right. signs of misogyny and things. That's right. part of the game, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's, I, yeah, I don't, it's the first time I've ever heard sexual sadism disorder. And I don't think that that's not true, but it's weird that he's making those claims and there's like endless examples of that being true, you know, that, right. that that's right. the behavior of these types of people. I do agree that it's incredibly young and really shocking that he just went for it and then turned himself in immediately and told the whole story and things. Well, I kind of wonder if that's where his autism helped mm-hmm. the world out. You know, like yeah. he just didn't. He's like, this is, these are the really, facts. This is just Yeah, the this truth. is what happened. Yeah. These are, I didn't really, you know, it didn't seem, uh, I agree that it wasn't necessarily premeditated. You know, yeah. I think when he decided to get off the train and get back and head downtown, he probably wasn't going to be up to anything good. Totally. But otherwise, it just seems like he was like, oh, well, there's a lady that I like to look at. And yep. I have these terrible fantasies and let's see what happens and then just like win for it and so yeah I, I don't know I didn't look into it enough or I obviously don't know enough about the sexual sadism disorder idea mm-hmm. to necessarily agree with the doctor maybe that's what Ted Bundy did you know like he didn't hate women or whatever he just couldn't help himself and needed to yeah rape and murder like I don't know it seems like a almost like an excuse it is disordered behavior there's no doubt about it but It's just interesting that his diagnosis falls outside of everything that we've ever been told. Mm -hmm. And I want want answers and he's just giving me more questions, I think is really what it comes (laughs) down to. I want answers that don't exist. Yes. Yes. When I I found the article interviewing the doctor, I was like, yes, we're going to get some information. Mm -hmm. I don't know what this means. Like this doesn't make any sense either. Yeah. Like I just... And part of it feels like no answer will ever be good enough. I was going to say, it's not um, like we, he would have given us an answer that we haven't already heard or that would just clear it right up. But mm-hmm. yeah, hearing how he lived, yeah, something was wrong with him. Something was wrong with him, period. doesn't really mm-hmm. ultimately matter that much. But yeah, anyway. Yep, yep, yeah. I mean, I think it all sort of accumulated to like his... what he did you know all of it is part of it absolutely for sure so in august of 2019 james todd pleaded guilty to the rape attempted rape sexual assault and first degree murder of eurydice dixon Mm. the judge sentenced him to 35 years to life in prison 
This sentence is tougher than most killers get in Australia, but experts agreed that Todd was unlikely to be rehabilitated despite his young age and lack of previous convictions. If released back into public, it's likely that Todd's sexual urges would drive him to kill again. Before handing down his sentence, Justice Stephen Kay told the court, quote, he didn't know how far he would take it, but he knew he was doing incredible harm to this young woman and it didn't stop him. Mm-hmm. In fact, if anything, he was excited by that, psychologically aroused by that. Yep. So much so that hours later, he was searching for similar pornography on the internet. In the 21st century, that a young lady cannot, minding her own business, doing no one any harm, cross a park without being sexually assaulted, raped, and murdered in this way is beyond belief and utterly despicable. Yeah. During Todd's sentencing hearing, Eurydice's older sister, Polly, read her victim impact statement aloud to the court saying, quote, she lived an honorable life. She was gutsy and determined and clever. And when I think of her, I feel proud. I want to see her, hear her, be with her, have coffee with her. But because she was murdered, I will never see her again. I wish regularly over the course of my day that I could have saved her. My sister's murder has absolutely shattered and devastated our family. I will never see my little sister again. But sadly, the strongest emotion I feel is anger. While the statements were read, Todd quietly wept as if realizing for the first time what he had done. Mm. So in honor of Eurydice, on March 17th, 2019, the Victorian state government announced the stand-up grant for rising female comedians in Eurydice's memory. Yeah. The $5,000 grant will be awarded annually just before the start of the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Susan Provan, the director of the festival, said, quote, The stand-up grant is inspired by the promise and ambition of Eurydice Dixon, a much-loved emerging comedian whose friends remember as brilliant, brave, and beautiful, unafraid to delve into challenging material and with a big, bold laugh that filled a room. Mm. In September of 2019, Eurydice's friends came together at Melbourne's Fringe Festival to perform the show that Eurydice was developing before she was killed. The show was called Inconvenient Empathy and centered around women's issues and social justice topics that Eurydice was fiercely passionate about mm-hmm. and that is the terrible story <sighs> of Eurydice Dixon's murder Ugh. what is this world why does it happen why do why do people just have these passing fleeting urges that include other fucking people that yeah. have to die so they can be explored yeah that is there i mean god the whole reason we do this the whole reason i continue to do this is just searching for answers and wanting to know why and how and etc and that's just never going to happen probably in our lifetime maybe Mm -hmm. it will but yeah some of them feel more pointless than others Mm. right like this kid was trying to figure something out and had no impulse control and had no sense of consequence and hadn't been taught or, you know, like just didn't know where to put anything Mm -hmm. inside of himself. And it's just so senseless. It feels, it feels avoidable. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I didn't expect to have any sympathy for him at all. 
mm-hmm. writing the story and I don't really. Yeah. But then learning about him, it's hard again, like we've talked about it before, it's hard not to have that little bit of like, ugh. Like, what if? What yeah. if he had a better family life? What if he had, you know, yes. as yes. a child in school? What if he had been able to get his temper under control as a kid? What a you know, what yeah. if? What if he had been able to be like, I have these really dark urges and exactly. I don't know what to do with them. You know, like yeah. what if? What if? I think Eurydice would still be alive. And well, and that's the whole thing. It's not even I mean, I de- it's not even about sympathy for the murderer. It's it's just avoidable. <laughs> you know, it's avoidable mm-hmm. most of the time. And maybe right. he was just born bad. You know, maybe we don't know. That's the thing that we don't know. That's right. the the thing that I'm seeking forever is are these people made or are they born? And mm-hmm. is it avoidable? Is it treatable? Is it preventable? You know, is there a way to, like you said, give him some place to put these urges or just to talk about it or explore it in a way that's consensual and safe and healthy-ish or, you know, mm-hmm. very healthy? But re- or are there urges so strong that it doesn't really matter? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Either way... We don't know. We won't know unless we find out, you know. Right. We won't know unless we right. unless we talk to these kids and intervene with these kids and figure out what's actually happening, which I know is easier said than done because they're going to find that <clears throat> where it's safe and it's anonymous. And mm-hmm. I don't know what the process is of talking to a teenager and saying, are you having really dark sexual fantasies? Talk <laughs> right. to me about them. I'm an right. adult and you're a child and that's yes. appropriate. You know what I mean? But right. at the same time, like it's this got to, we got to offer community that's offline, that's safe, that's controlled, that's mm-hmm. monitorable, or this is like beautiful young women full of promise and talent are going to die, be mm-hmm. attacked and brutalized and die. It sucks. It sucks so much. Especially because he was so young. Yeah. That, you know, teen shit freaks me out. And it's it's a little bit more understandable, but that brutality is shocking. That is shocking. Yep. Yeah. No, it's, it's it really, really is. I'm glad yeah. he was dumb, though. You know I love a mm-hmm. f- stupid killer. I'm glad yeah. he didn't think about CCTV, that he was drunk no. enough, that it didn't yeah. cross his mind that he was being filmed at every turn. Right. Thank yeah. God. But right. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be any care for after, like what's gonna happen after. No. All. And you wonder too if a part of him wanted to stop and that's what right. that was. You yes. know, that yeah. He gave himself an hour to sober up, to watch her, to mm-hmm. make different choices, to decide whether or not he wanted to do it. And so you gotta believe that there was a part of him that didn't want to do what he did. Mm-hmm. And thank God he didn't develop an appetite for it right. oh. or that he just was dumb enough to get caught right away and yeah that's it that's know? what i mean yeah yes yeah because his his opinion of attacking women could have changed had he had the opportunity to do it more often well absolutely well and they talk you know like we've covered serial killers that were like yeah the first time was kind of terrible yeah and then the second time got better and then the third time was better and then the, you know like yeah, they get, that's what i exactly yeah <laughs> Oh, you guys, what can we do? do? Somebody's got the answers. Please just tell us already. We really need to interview a psychologist or doctor, people that know more than we do. (laughs) Like I really, maybe I'm going to, I mean, we've had people reach out. Hey, if you know 
our mental health doctor pals, nurses. Who who do you have that's able to explain this stuff better to all of us? Well, I do know that it starts with healing one way or another, mm-hmm. and we're just not good at healing at this point in time. Nope. It feels like future generations are getting better at it, but our system is certainly not set up to heal. It's set up to can drive and drive and drive and drive into the ground and forever and just like push people to be the best versions of themselves despite themselves and it's just yeah we're not we're not set up for healing nope we're starting to shift in that direction but but that's also being pushed back against you know it's like totally people are starting to figure out that that's not what they want but then capitalism's like whoa 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 no 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 uh, <laughs> Listen, guys, we really need you to work. That's the whole fucking point. Everyone's like, why? Why am I working every day, all day for my entire life and then dying? Right. (laughs) We need money. We need you to make us money. And then we need you to have babies that you don't really want so they can make us money later. Exactly. Exactly. We don't need Mm -hmm. you to heal. We don't need you to Mm -hmm. take time so you don't burn out. Vacation? Ha, 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 ha. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. <sighs> keep it up, Gen Z. Keep it up, Gen Alpha. We, yeah. us uh, Gen Xers, Zennials is what I am. I don't, I feel mm-hmm. more like a millennial than a Gen Xer, but I very much like in between. More millennial too. Yeah, yeah, but definitely have Gen X in there for sure. But keep it up. We, <laughs> we see you. We love you. We support you. Yep. We're doing our best to raise you. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Our well, generations were a little too indoctrinated to do what you're doing, but we wanted to, if it makes you feel any better, right. we certainly fucking wanted to. We just didn't know we had the choice because the internet didn't exist. So mm-hmm. keep yeah. it up. Let's heal. Yes. Let's stop this. I mean, good God, the United States. Well, anyway, I don't want to go off on an additional tangent, but the news no. in the United States is not encouraging. No, it's but scary. we can do this. Yeah, we have to, and we will. Yep. Um, let me real quick. I just want, I've been thinking about, we love to normalize mental health over here, right? Yeah, major, big and time. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about my child's experience for him, but my oldest, my eight-year-old, we signed him up for a therapist mm-hmm. to deal with his anxiety that he so, so luckily was handed down by his parents. Yes. And I just wanted to talk real quick about my emotions around it to help normalize it for parents who are thinking about doing this for their kids. Good. Because I realized I had been putting it off because I was afraid of what he might say to the therapist. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? Because I didn't want to be judged. It was all about me. Mm -hmm. And it was also just sort of like, no, I really honestly, when I think about it, that if I'm being completely honest, that's what it was. That's what was holding me back from doing something for my kid who really needed it. And I I had to put the task on to Ryan and say, can you do this? Because I'm never going to do it. And Mm. he did. And then I went to the first appointment and you sit with your kid, you know, at least this, this office did where she asks questions and you help answer just in case the kid isn't willing or doesn't know some of the answers. And, um, I had to sit there and really like take a lot of deep breaths Mm -hmm. and reflect a lot on what it was that I was afraid of because I knew that there was nothing he could say that like quote unquote would get me in trouble. Yeah. But I was so concerned about what she might think of us. That it was, it wasn't like this, this, what's the word I'm looking for? It didn't like make me completely shut down, but it was very uncomfortable. Sure. And then just kind of reflecting on that and like, 
she asked him, like, do you play with friends after school? And he was like, I don't have any friends. And I was like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> which is not true at all. Yeah. And I wanted to like jump in and be like, that's not true. But I was like, you know what? Well, it, this isn't about me. And yeah. he's got to like figure it out. And but I just think I'm going to learn so much more about parenting and about mm-hmm. him and about how I can improve that. I think for people who are in this similar situation as me having similar thoughts, I think it's probably very normal to be concerned about the work that you're going to have to do when you put your kid in therapy and learn about them, mm-hmm. you know, or they start to learn about themselves and that I'm really glad I did it. And it mm-hmm. wasn't as scary as I thought it might be for me. <laughs> you know, And he's yeah. thrilled. Uh, I also noticed that he was asked answering a lot of the questions in the way that he maybe thought was the correct answer. Sure. So when we got done, I was like, you know, buddy, there is no right or wrong with therapists. The whole point is for you to be just completely honest and so you don't have to pretend like things are okay or mm-hmm. like you can just be completely honest with her. And he was like, oh, okay. You know, because I see so much of myself in yeah, him. Absolutely. And, you know, like, yes. I've learned like reading about people who who strain their eyes during eye tests to get the oh me the eye test. Yes. Right. I, yeah. I need to go get my eyes checked because I wonder how much of that I do. <laughs> For sure. But that's how he is. And so, yeah, I just think it's an interesting just not something I really realized until I really reflected on like what what is the hang up for me to mm-hmm. get him a therapist that I think he really needs. And it was because I didn't know how it would feel for me for him to do that. No, that's a huge breakthrough. I think mm-hmm. that's a huge reflection. And we, you know, we were raised in a non-confrontational family who didn't mm-hmm. necessarily our mother was amazing at talking about feelings, but the rest of the family is garbage at talking about feelings. I mean, on the side that we grew up with, you know, regular right. immediate family. Well, and we still weren't, even, you know, we, we still weren't able in the moment of our hard feelings allowed to talk about them. Right. You know, we could reflect on them later, but yes. talking about them in the moment was not something mm-hmm. that we did. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we were raised to be perfectionists. Yes. And... We now know, too, that our anxiety stems from that and the neurodivergence feeds that. And Mm -hmm. so I'm not surprised that was so hard for you. But Mm -hmm. I think that that is the key to healing is that vulnerability and talking about how you feel about things Mm -hmm. and allowing other people to tell you how they feel about you. And it it just is information. We were taught that it was good or bad and it's Mm -hmm. not. It's just information. It's just Mm -hmm. a reaction. It's just what it is. And to be able to start to move through that is damn near torture, but it's Mm -hmm. so important, especially for your kid to model that it's okay and to be okay with him having the reactions that he has to you and to his environment is massive and mature. Yes. Yeah. Incredibly healing. Yeah, it really is. And I think that for people who are like us to start to kind of like tiptoe into that uncomfortable feeling of, not always pleasing people, yeah. accepting their discomfort, you know, like yeah. their um, disappointment, or, disappointment or yeah. anger or whatever, you know, those things that I have definitely tried my whole life to avoid completely. Yeah. And then learning like your nervous, it almost felt like my nervous system has to learn that 
when you have conflict for, with somebody, they aren't going – like my worst case scenario, what my body says is going to happen is they are going to leave me. They're going right. to abandon me. We are not going to have a relationship anymore and that's really scary. And then when you get through the conflict – and the person's still there. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, okay, so yes. it's okay. It's okay to talk about how you feel. And mm-hmm. yeah, and so teaching my kids, they can do the same with me, that it's okay, that they don't have to be happy all the time. They don't yeah. have to be happy with me all the time. It doesn't mean they're bad for disagreeing or for having big emotions, you know, but that shit I didn't have the opportunity to learn as a kid and it's scary. Yeah. So Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and for him to say that he doesn't have any friends, you know, I wonder something that I think about a lot is how many people actually understand me, you know, how yes. many people actually see me and I'm yes. sure he's feeling something similar mm-hmm. and to have worked that out at a younger age would have been very helpful, you know, totally. to, to understand that that's because my brain works a little bit differently than the people around me. And that's okay. And how, you know, finding people who you connect with is going to be a little bit more challenging, but far more rewarding than Mm -hmm. your peers probably and things like that. So, Well, and he's still at an age too where I don't think he has any super close friends, Mm -hmm. like really close friends that he can talk to. Yeah. About be like be honest. I think he has lots of friends at school that are surface level. Like he likes hanging out with them and play, but he doesn't have yet any really dear close friends. Yeah. You know, and so then of course my anxiety is like, oh my god, I need to, I need to help foster that for him. And I'm like, you gotta just fucking chill out, yeah. Sadie. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's okay. He's in second grade. Like, we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, that's why I had a total like I had my first depressive episode when I was 12, and I watched the miniseries It because <laughs> the kids were so close and they got each other and they were so supportive and loving and weird. And now I know they were just a bunch of neurodivergent kids, yeah. you know, and. uh right. I didn't have that. I had mm-hmm. one very close friend who was, you know, a much as much a pain in my ass as she was <laughs> my best friend and confidant. But right. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, good for anyway. you. Thank you for yes. sharing. I think that that is incredibly important, uh, almost as important as it is to get through name time because we've skipped it for <laughs> two weeks and the, I'm, dr- I'm drowning under these wonderful ah, names. We got to do it. Name okay. Time. All right, you guys. It's name time. Let's see. Yeah, we can get through these. Okay. And I want to do some shouty outies because we haven't done those in two weeks. So, innocent butts. <laughs> this just started out strong. Somebody that was in someone's family tree. Innocent oh butts. Tierra Ransom. Why are you holding the, give the person the crown? They deserve it. it. Don't hold it for ransom. I need a day. I need a day. <laughs> I do too. I do too. I need like four days. I do five too. Five of them. One time I got an application. I was doing some hiring for a salon and the person was like, I need basically every day off a week. And the the, exi- the uh, reason for needing, you know, almost every day off in a week was I have to plan for my wedding. Plus everyone needs one day for themselves. And so <laughs> my best friend, Tony and I say that all, like, you know, plus everyone needs one day for themselves. And the grip, the punctuation was as amazing as you can imagine. It was Uh wiki wetchy Florida. Yes. Uh, in the home state of Tasmania, Australia, Rory Jack Thompson, AKA Jack Newman, 
murdered and dismembered his wife at his trial, he was represented by Pierre Slicer and Stephen Chopping. You Ah! are kidding me. No. (laughs) No. Yes. That's not okay. No, it's really not okay. But it also, Australia, you remain the most fucked up, tied with (laughs) like only the Dutch, I think. Oh my God. Good job. Pendleton, Indiana, Sadie Ray recently saw has a fudge factory called Uranus. <laughs> Wasn't it like exit 222? Yeah, to, it was like yeah. if you if you can't find Uranus, try the next exit or whatever. Mm. Like, God. Yeah. yeah. Good yeah. job, Pendleton. Thanks. They did good. Yep. Um, oh, there's another, the, an Eck wrote us. Great grandmother's name was Texas Brown Eck. Yes, oh, it's so fun. So good. Cool. Yeah, and this listener said that she when she tell when people say what's your last name, she says E C K, mm-hmm. which is what I say too, because mm-hmm. otherwise get, strap in for the rest of the afternoon of people trying to figure out what the fuck your last name is. You yes. just have to E C K and that's it. That's what I always say. He is say. an elephant. C K. Yep. Yeah. A uh, German football manager named Wolfgang Wolf, who at <laughs> one stage managed Wolfsburg. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, someone, uh, someone's mother had a work colleague named Shauna Dick. Yeah. <laughs> Classmate name Amandaline Tibbles. <laughs> That's so cute. Yes. There's a town named A Tool in Massachusetts, and it is home to a tool factory. <laughs> of, of course it is. <laughs> Boyfriend's okay. grandfather's name is Hollis Wallace, but he goes by Skip. Ah, Hollis Wallace. Get yeah. out of here. This person also went to a Vietnamese restaurant in Clarksville, Tennessee, named Enjoy Your Meal. <laughs> I would say, Thank don't you. boss me. And a sushi, sushi restaurant in Henderson, Nevada, named LMAO Sushi. Aww. Yes. Yes. God, yes. I'm hungry. Yes. Poppy Millions, Lucy Lemon, Sue Crap, Julie Bonk. God, the word bonk is good. Bonk. Uh, someone who had devolved his hand. He required a skin graft from his thigh, which resulted in a hairy patch of skin on his palm, and his name was Wayne King. Wayne no. King. Oh. Amazing. Amazing. I don't know if I'd be the one that I, like, the person who would want life to have a sense of humor about, but I I hope that I would. I hope if my yes. name was Wayne King and I ended up with a hairy palm, I would think that was fucking hilarious. hilarious. Yeah. Jake, Jacob Garlic bought the Flatiron Building recently. <laughs> Jacob Garlic didn't pay his first payment. He like oh, broke no. down sobbing when he won the bid because he'd wanted to buy it since he was 14 years old for some reason. And then oh, he defaulted immediately. Oh, no. Uh, Tuesday Smiley, Kevin Lasagna. <laughs> I love love lasagna. There's a lawn care company called Law & Order Special Mowing Unit. Oh, my God. Yeah. A Colleen... A colleague of someone's named Odette Money, which can be <laughs> interpreted as Odette Money <laughs> or Odette Money. <laughs> There's a ro- road near Perth, Western Australia called Manjugudap, Manjugudap Drive. Manjugudap Drive, which means meeting place of the heart Aww. in the indigenous Noongar language of the area. I wish I could say that the way that they said it because that is a wonderful name. Darlene Hamburger. (laughs) Speaking of Melbourne, 
John Batman is the founder of Melbourne, and he has a very storied and crazy history, if you ever want to look him up somewhere. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, One of the parks that these bozos drank in in the story was Batman Park, and I left that detail for some reason. There you go. That's (laughs) why. There's a gynecologist named Dr. Lips. (laughs) Gross. Also, uh, we were at our Patreon party, which was an absolute blast, and we will do it again very soon. And one of our patrons has been holding out on us. Her name is Chelsea Elsie Gertie Towns. (laughs) Chelsea. Chelsea Elsie Gertie Towns. (laughs) Chelsea, the number of times I said your name the next day to my wife, who was like, I get it. I get it. That's adorable. (laughs) Chelsea Elsie Gertie Towns. Come the fuck on. Okay. Uh, There's an Australian theme right now. Um, Some silly place named places. Mossy Nipple Bend. Boobs flat next to a town called Big Bush, prickly bottom, <laughs> bullshit hill upon which I live, yes. teddy bears gap, stinkhole, cockwash creek, no. Mount Disappointment, which is where I used to live. That's my uh-huh. previous address. Rooty Hill. <laughs> what is happening? This is, it just doesn't feel real. I know. Yeah. I know. Uh, the finally, oh, Someone's like, not that funny, but uh, there was an Amy Parks reporting live from Amy Park. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's pretty funny. funny. It's pretty good. Uh, That's all, everybody. That is all. Let's do some shouty outies real quick. We're running a little long into our mornings, but we owe the people what they signed up for. So I'm happy to say we just are crossing into December. So if you've been waiting a while, thank you. And we're in December. We're going to do it. We're going to get there eventually or not. But well, I mean, mean, we will eventually. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much to Paige R. If I was going to take out a page in the book of Paige R, it would read on a night, much like tonight, there was a page, R. Born. She came into this world with open eyes and an open heart, and the world embraced her and all of her parts. Part gorgeous, part gleeful, part rambunctious and strong, part stylish, part brilliant. What could go wrong? Nothing, in fact. That's the end of the book. Nothing went wrong because Paige fucking rocks. She does it. She's strong. She's competent. She's bright. Paige was born on a night like tonight. We celebrate Paige. We celebrate right. <laughs> we love you, Paige. Thank you so much. We love and you, honestly, Paige. you guys, the Patreon is where we get the most financial support. So you all are absolute badasses and thank you thank you thank you for your support yes, it is tremendous it's so it, helpful it is 100 why why we are still here yeah absolutely who's next oh thank you so much to peyton r i mean n <laughs> <laughs> i don't know where r came from thank you peyton n <laughs> the word peyton feels like a verb Yes. It feels like the cutest and most comfiest verb. It feels like something that you do to give yourself a little treat. It feels like... (laughs) Totally does. You know? It feels like 
a place that you go, it's your favorite place. Like when I need to unwind, I go to Peyton. I Peyton in Peyton. <laughs> totally. It feels like your favorite accessory. It feels like, you know, like if the Germans were like, the word the the word for the indescribable feeling you get when everything comes together and is right in a moment mm-hmm. that would be the germans call that a patent <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do tonight port i'm going to go patent some patents i'm going to put mm. on my patents and go to patent to patent yeah i mean mm-hmm. that sounds so relaxing comfortable just i mean hopeful optimistic grounding lovely enthusiastic yeah i yeah. just That's Peyton. Peyton. Who's next? Let's do one more. All right. Last but not least, thank you so much to Kelly J. Kelly jabbing on the nighttime. (laughs) Kelly jamming on the day. Kelly jamming everywhere that Kelly can jam because it's okay to be Kelly. (laughs) Yeah. Everybody agrees it's okay to be Kelly. (laughs) Jamming on the night and jamming on the day and jamming over here and all the way to everything that Kelly wants to jam on. And what does Kelly want to jam on, you ask? Well, let me tell you, because she's the best at it. (laughs) Kelly likes to jam on being a babe. Kelly likes to jam on getting paid. Kelly likes to jam on being so coordinated that she can dazzle you with her moves. Kelly likes to jam on Keeping it real and Kelly likes to jam on the way she feels when you all know that she's the fucking best so Kelly can jam on the rest of it. I was not expecting that. I wasn't either. No, I wasn't either. Perfection. It's just what Kelly inspired. So we love you guys really a lot. Endlessly amounts of love for you. I mean, for real, that is so sincere. And yep. um, if you want to spend more time with us, you can find us at They Will Kill at Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. We're also going to start a new TikTok called They Will Kill underscore your brain, where <laughs> it's just Sadie and I talking about our actual selves. We have a yeah. TikTok that's tr- fully true crime, which has done very, very well, but it's... Um, it feels slightly off brand for us mm-hmm. because it's, it's not real authentic to who we yeah, are. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think for TikTok, it's what TikTok loves, but we would love a place to be able to just be ourselves and talk about things that we're actually <laughs> thinking about and feeling. So, I've been the ideas that I've come up with so far for this idea are oh, just tell me. like not good. <laughs> like, has anybody ever uh, tried yogurt? I'm like, yeah, right? this TikTok is going like- to slay. <laughs> Kill. Just see what happens. (laughs) God, no, I know, but yeah, we started that side one because TikTok algorithms can not, and also just to keep it clean. I don't think it's a good idea to mix that with the true crime. So, they will kill. Underscore your brain is where you can find us sooner than later. Um, You can also email us at theywillkillpodcast at gmail dot com, and you can go to our website theywillkill.com. You can do that. You can. It's just so true. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for validating that. Thanks for <laughs> confirming with the people. Uh, thank you, AJ Bergans, for our music. Thank you oh, so much. Oh, and you much. can rate, review, and subscribe to us. Please also. do that, too. Yes. It's incredibly, incredibly helpful. Yes, it is. And remember... I read about a study, some Stanford study. I don't know why it's always Stanford, but they put glasses on people that 
made it so that they saw everything upside down. What? Yeah. And within four hours, their brains had figured it out and flipped the world back over. Oh, my God. So your brains are powerful tools. They are miraculous. They are complicated. And they are powerful. So if you need to flip the world back over at any point, you can. Your brain is capable. You just have to believe in it or let it do what it needs to do. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Yeah. Freaky. Yeah, I know. Terribly freaky, but fascinating. So God. we love you. Be good. We'll see you soon. Yep. And goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.